From InsureTech Ireland, this is InsureTech Radio. I'm Connor Sweetman. This week's guest is Mark Miller, IFRS Global Lead at Legerity Limited. Welcome to InsureTech Radio. I'm here with uh, Mark Miller of uh, Legerity. Uh, Mark, you're very welcome. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Good stuff. Uh, so, Mark, you're the uh, IFRS Global Lead for Legerity. Can you give me a little bit about your background and uh, your role in Legerity? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so I'm an accountant, basically, and I trained many years ago with uh, PwC in their insurance practice. And then uh, since then, I've worked around the world in a number of organizations, both um, insurance and, and telecoms and a number of different industries, both in line roles and in finance transformation type roles. And then I joined Legerity about three, three or four years ago to do what we call IFRS 15. So that was a big accounting standard that hit the telecoms industry. So we implemented a lot of successful projects around the world there. And then since about October 17, I've been working with uh, our insurance clients and developing an IFRS 17 solution in Legerity for, for those and for the industry. Oh, so IRFRS 15 is for telecoms and then 17 is for insurance. So like what, so the numbers then don't necessarily, um, they're not necessarily sequential for every industry. What do the numbers actually relate to then? No, no. So the IASB is the institute that organizes um, accounting rules for for companies uh, that sit in jurisdictions that the ISB is, uh, the IFRS applies. And there's, there's no relation to the numbers whatsoever. So currently the insurance industry generally adopts what's called IFRS 4, and IFRS 17 is a replacement of that. With IFRS 15, it was more of a replacement of a mishmash of standards. And it wasn't just telcos, it's all companies in effect. But insurance companies are special so their contracts are regulated by a specific standard called IFRS 17. Cool. And this is, they announced this last year, isn't it? And it's going to be effective in 2022. Yeah. So it was a, the, it's taken about 20 years to design the standard. Um, it was first published, as, it's still in draft, and it was first published in draft in May 17, um, initially for implementation in 2021. But the industry has had a number of concerns about the standard um, and therefore the IASB agreed to delay implementation to 2022 on the grounds that there were a few areas that might need to change in the standard. And, and currently, I think next week, in fact, the IASB board will be discussing um, the proposed amendments, including the delay, and we hope uh, finalising most of those. Okay, and so you've worked in a number of different industries, and I know like there are a number of quirks when it comes to insurance. Like for example, when we measure profitability, we don't just look at we would say say ninety eight percent COR, a combined operation ratio, as opposed to two percent profit. So, like, what are some of the other quirks in insurance that make it, it that make it special? To use your word, that that means it has to be dealt with differently. Yeah, you know, and I suppose uh, when we look at IFRS 15 or any other of these accounting standards, what what the ISB are trying to do is give investors a fair reflection of any company's liability assets and then sort of guide them into recognising their profit in the financial statements, really, as they've 
you know, delivered their obligations to their customers. So in terms of insurance, that's always quite different because a lot of insurance is about, you know, the actuaries forecasting the future and that mm. obviously those, those provisions and things can have a big impact on the financials. And, and therefore, I think a lot of insurance companies in the past have taken different approaches to how they handle those questions. And more importantly, probably a lot of insurance companies have taken more of a cash accounting type approach where they're recognizing profits really, really in an upfront type basis. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've said is all about is, is really standardizing the approach for the insurance industry as a whole and then bringing the insurance accounting more in line with that with, with other industries. Yeah, because one, one thing I often uh, would observe as an underwriter, it being quite frustrating that you're measured on, say, the accounting year, which is, you know, just kind of money in, money out, the kind of, uh, as you say, that kind of cash flow basis. But in reality, that doesn't that isn't a true reflection of the quality of the business because you might be writing stuff in that accounting year that in three years' time uh, will be very exposed. So does this mean that it's it's a new way of looking at liabilities like claims reserves um, or how we account for underwriting profitability? Or, or Am I on the right track there? Yeah, you're on the right track, I think. So, you know, in terms of the claims reserves, I think that will, you know, there is some standardization there, but that process of, of forecasting your expected future claims, uh, you know, as as you expect it to happen, will will stay the same. I think the key difference with IFRS 17 is that when you first write the contract, or the there is a requirement to measure all the future cash flows for that contract and assess at the start what you think the profit will be. And when you say contract, is that That's defined? The big new check. What do we mean by contract? Yeah, so there's, uh, I mean, I think there's a very detailed definition in the um, the standard itself, <laughs> and some of the amendments uh, that have been proposed have been uh, looking at some of the nuances of what exactly yeah. is an insurance company. So, for example, some products are by banks that have an insurance element are deemed not to be an insurance contract. Some loans can sometimes look like insurance contracts. So um, there, there is quite a detailed definition about what is an insurance contract and in its simple in its simplest form is it a policy or um what how would you describe it to your granny <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean basically it's your it's a policy at the end okay. of the day so you're, you're giving away your money your premium in in in, in the hope that the insurance company will, will pay you some money if whatever risk you're concerned about arises so that's the at the heart that's the essence of it Okay, cool. Well, so let's take that example. Say it's a thousand pound policy. So then, how how will that be reported then? And you know, in this fictitious example, imagine that's the only policy a company wrote. How would they account for that then uh, in the year? So what tends to happen now is the insurance will take the pre- the insurer will take the premium or uh, the expected future premium, and they'll kind of earn that over the life of the policy and the revenue, mm. and then you'll have claims reserving process that will look at, you know, as you expect claims to be incurred, you'll make sure that you've got sufficient capital in your reserves to cover that. And you'll kind of lease costs, if you like, the claims into the P&L uh, as and when, uh, you know, those reserves move. But in IFRS 17, it's fundamentally different because you measure all of the cash flows on the policy at the start. So that means 
all the premiums you expect to get, all the claims you might pay out. Importantly, also some other costs like acquisition costs or maybe some expenses, claims handling costs or other policy administration costs. So all of that has to be measured at the start for the whole of the contract's expected future life. And therefore, you, and you get a view at that moment of what you think the profit will be, or indeed a loss. On the and the first thing the standard says is you have, you, know, you have to group all your contracts together into similar types of contracts, and then you have to split them between those that will make a profit and those will make a loss. So there's, that's one of the really difficult parts of RFS 17 for insurers, is, that is looking at things in that granular way and having to make a view of the future at the start yeah so, and that's what's that being as accurate as possible yeah and that's the core of it and then what i so that 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 profit effectively and there's a lot of technical i won't go into now but that profit is effectively what we call the contract service margin so many of you may have heard of that term and what, what was that sorry you say again contractual service margin contractual service margin okay this is the new term and what that represents you know you could think of it as being the expected future profit which it is on day one but in reality what it is is it's a measure of the liability that the insurance company has to deliver insurance service to the customer and an IFRS 17 says that you could only recognize that profit as and when you you know give some insurance to the customer so basically at the start you kind of recognize this big bucket of potential profit and then as you provide insurance to the customer, you're allowed to drip feed that profit into your financial statements. As you oh, so it's on. like That's earned. So is it, would it be similar to how you think about earned premium? It's like earned profit. Yeah, similar. But yeah, yeah the, the key is obviously it's profit, not premium. And then the earning yeah. based on a new concept, which we call coverage units. So for each type of product, the insurer is required to uh, assess on what basis do they think they're providing a service to the customer? And that can vary from benefits to amount insured or all sorts of different mechanisms. So again, this is, it makes sort of theoretical sense, but of course, yeah. from a data process perspective, that's quite challenging. Yeah. I was just thinking there, you know, some of these or organizations, like say, like say Allianz, for example, you know, a massive, massive uh, organization or AIG, you know, with subsidiaries all around the world, I assume, um these standards apply to like uh, all insurance groups and all of their subsidiaries there's no exceptions here they all have to get on board yeah wherever an insurance company is is required to report under IFRS yeah okay well, okay so in the UK big listed companies need to report under IFRS but uh, smaller non-listed companies don't, so they won't have to apply to IFRS. I mean, I think in the EU, in Ireland, you know, all EU countries have to report under IFRS. Okay, well, so um, so tell me then about uh, what you guys are doing because it, it does seem like a a big challenge. And, and on reflection, you know, twenty twenty two is a relatively short period of time away, especially when you consider. Uh, how long it took to implement Solvency 2 uh, just in uh, Europe. So like, can you tell me about some of the challenges that insurers uh, and reinsurers will face over the next couple of years? As it's, a, it's a brand new thing. So Solvency 2 brought um, a lot of challenges for the industry. But what I would like I say is, you know, Solvency 2 was like a, a snapshot of the company measuring capital requirements at the moment in time. 
Mm. High fidelity is beyond that. It's more like a movie of the company because it's, wow. it's monitoring everything as you go along. So, so the biggest the biggest challenge is is the data, the granular data that's needed, and the systems and process that you have to put in place to get the required numbers uh, at the end. And one of the things we haven't mentioned yet about IFRS 17 is the standard is very prescriptive about the disclosure requirements. So it's, it's not just calculating the numbers. The IFRS standard is very specific about what you have to report. And that, that means it's quite granular information. Companies like us come into play because we can help you organize that detailed information through the um, calculation and accounting process all the way to to end reporting. So tell me then a bit about your business. Like how does how does your how, how do you work with a client? So say for example, I ring you and like what's our first engagement like and then what um uh then what do you do throughout that process? Yes, so we're a calculation and accounting rules engine with a sub-ledger. So that's our core application. And as I mentioned, you know, we've helped telcos in RFS 15. We can help banks. You know, we have use cases that span across industries. But for specifically for IFRS 17, because it's so complex, what we've done is pre-configured the application for IFRS 17. So typically our first engagement is to, you know, explain to the client what an accounting rules and sub-ledger is. So... Um, you know, it's an event-based system where you can handle very complex calculations, deliver the accounting and store your balances at a very detailed level. And then on top of that, we, we demonstrate how we understand IFRS 17 and, and show how it's applied and configured in our system. So we really help insurers firstly, you know, understand what they need to do for IFRS 17. And then, of course, we, we give them, you know, very effective implementation approach for how to set Legerity up for their needs, and when the business has the Legerity set up, like does it run on its own with their own systems, or did are they in communication with you uh, the whole time? Yeah, so broadly, what we aim to be is like an engine in the heart of the back office, you know, on an automated basis. I think in insurance. Uh, you know, because you've got actuarial numbers and a lot of review needs. But the way to visualise it is you've got your you know, your policy and administration systems, your underwriting systems, you've got your actuarial models, and then you've got your finance systems, like your general ledger. And what, what Legerity kind of sits in between and brings all that information together. And then because IFRS 17 has so much more detail and complexity in it, IFRS 17 stores all that information in a very ordered and accessible way so you know we can the actuaries you know people around the business and the finance teams have a robust set of data that's aligned with IFRS 17 that they can use for for their reporting but also to explain what's going on in the company cool and so i imagine like it's a big consideration for a company um you know it's important to get this right so like what are the types of things that they would have to consider uh, as they go throughout the process and in selecting uh, a company like yourselves uh, to help them yeah so I, mean, I think uh, it sounds obvious but budget is very important <laughs> you know we often say this is like a once in a lifetime chance to open up the back office because you know we hear all about digital trends insurance you know and that's absolutely massive and there's a lot of investment in the front office but the back office often gets overlooked and 
you know, with the sort of innovation that's coming and, and the increasing regulatory environment, you know, this is a, a big chance to invest in the back office. And I think that was missed in Solvency 2. So first thing is decide your goals. You know, you can cobble together a process to, to get your numbers right for compliance, you know, to comply with the standard. But then, you know, how are you going to run your business, explain mm. to your stakeholders the numbers are correct, and, you know, how are you going to evolve over time. So that's a really important consideration. So take the chance to get a good budget together so you really see this as an opportunity for them to to like to use this as a way to transform their business because i think a lot of the conversation i uh, conversations we can have around insure tech really focus on the front end of a business and how we interact with customers directly but then that's just we're using kind of the same old back office we've always used whereas from what you're saying it seems that there seems to be an opportunity here to marry the two and really kind of to make progress holistically yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, that front office changes. If the back office doesn't keep up, it's going to be a, a chain in the end. It's going to stop you moving forward. So it's important to to upgrade the back office. And this is a good chance because the business case is there. You've got to apply. But, you know, we recognize that, you know, full transformation projects are often doomed to failure, you know, too, too ambitious, doing too much at once. So we offer a modular type approach. And, so you, know, you can put the solution in place, get your compliant numbers, but you know, with some added benefits, what we call sort of a compliance plus attitude. And then if you think about longevity compared to some of our competitors, we are an ultra-modern high-tech solution with a really exciting product roadmap going into the future. So all of these digital changes, you know, we're enabled for all of that. We're using in-memory, high-speed data grid processing. We're cloud-enabled. We're all open source, so we can interact with new technologies. So you know, that's one of the, the things that I think is one of our real advantages is that you know, we, we have a modular-style implementation so we can get you over the line, but you're buying a product that has a 10-, 15-year product roadmap ahead that can really help you move into the future. Cool, and presumably then you have your yeah, it's, your product will evolve uh, with the businesses as they go along. It's not just going to, it's not a kind of a set it and forget it type solution. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we look at all these new insurance contracts with sort of more dynamic type products, you know, that that is only going to increase the, the um, demands on the back office. So you want a kind of scalable solution that handle that kind of granular accounting requirement. And uh, well, let's just, as we talk a bit about the opportunities and considerations, like let's just talk about, I suppose, some of the threats of not getting it right. Um, what what do you perceive as the threats of, to businesses over the next couple of years for uh, in relation to IFRS 17? Well, I mean, I think the, the biggest threat is making the, the wrong choices. And we saw that quite a lot in where people underestimated the amount of work required and then they ended up building silo-based rigid point sort of solutions that then couldn't scale and a lot of people are now looking to our 17 to maybe unwind some of those decisions so you know that the real danger is not having an eye on the future and taking a shortcut um, obviously the later you leave it there are some advantages in taking advantage of other you know the, the work the industry's done on, on sort of standard approaches, but you know you, you could you could risk putting in an inflexible, non-scale, non-future-proof solution that then costs you a lot of money to undo. And I think the other big risk is 
is not investing in technology now. So mm. if you stick with technology, you know, you're going to be hamstrung for many years. And when we, I think the insurance industry is particularly bad at that. And we've seen clients with general ledgers that are 40 years old. Wow. <laughs> having to bring people in out of retirement because no one else knows how they work. You know, these things that you put in now will be here for 10, 20 years. So mm. you've got to make the right call. And just you, you mentioned that just uh, around uh, kind of you alluded to a skill set and, you know, <laughs> that particular example there, you know, you need to bring people out of retirement. Uh, and I'm just wondering, like, uh, it's kind of moving away from insurance and regulation, but I'm just interested in, say, uh, the skill sets that are going to be required of accountants over the next uh, few, couple of decades. You know, do you see that changing? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, it applies to the actuaries as well, really, because mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of people are currently involved in in data preparation and analysis, fixing data quality issues, extracting things from, from silo databases, stuff like that. And you know, in the future, that you know isn't isn't what 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 these professionals should be doing. They should be analysing and driving the business, helping the commercial people understand in the senior management understand what's driving the numbers. So we see that this kind of investment, this kind of change. Changes the role of actuaries and finance to one that's much more much more in, exciting for people. Uh, so less of that kind of process data manipulation type work and much more analysis and insight. Yeah, and actually, work. yeah, uh, uh, adding much more value over the next uh, little while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Look, thanks a million, Mark. Do you have any uh, parting words or anything you'd like? Uh, any takeaways for our audience? No, I mean, I think, you know, IFA 17 has been hugely anticipated for, for many years, but there is obviously going to be people who are, um, you know, against it or, or, or don't see why we need to make, make such a change. But it, it's here, and, and I would say, you know, this is the once-in-a-lifetime chance to really invest in this back office. And, you know, if you do that well, it will be a major competitive advantage going into the future, in my view. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people give out about legacy and Mac Office. Well, this is your chance. Yeah, exactly. Where can people find out more about you and more about uh, Legerity? Yeah, so we have a website, legeritifinancials.com, with a lot of material. So we have a lot of resources where people can find out more about RFS 17. We've got an explainer animation video, which is, is, is very good for giving you the basics. And then we have some more um, in depth doing on some specific topics and of course obviously information about our product and you know we'd love people to get in touch with us and we can discuss more about how we can start them on their journey and uh, is there an email or a um a contact us uh, kind of page there info at legeritifinancials.com info at legeritifinancials.com well look thanks a million mark thanks for your time and uh, thanks for the education uh, uh, i didn't really appreciate i suppose the um how big a change this was and yeah I think you explained that very very clearly and uh, yeah uh, best of luck great thanks good to talk to you bye thanks Mark